When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats, and this one is special. They're all special, but this one's really special. This one is a colliding of my worlds. I love video games, I love baseball, and I love Shohei Otani. And this one, they're all coming together. As you all know, Shohei Otani is on the cover of the new MLB The Show video game, and who better to talk to than the guy over at MLB The Show, Ramon Russell. He's a spokesperson for them involved in the product development. So I'm really excited to talk to him. But this episode is really special for me. It really is a colliding of, of all of my worlds. And, and it's going to be really special for me to get to talk to them, talk to him about the behind-the-scenes stuff and, and what we can expect from this year's game and how the cover came about. But of course, before we get to that, we're going to round the bases off the top. We'll get to that interview in a little while. And then, you know what I love? Farm systems. Why? Because they, they propel the game of baseball. And Baseball America just came out with their top farm systems. So I'm going to do the same. I'm going to put together a list of my top MLB farm systems. And we'll get to that in a little while. But rounding the bases off the top, man, you know what? I'm so excited for this episode. Let's go. Let's round the bases. And starting off, we're going to start with the MLB lockout. A little update. Where are we? What's going on? Is the season going to happen? Is spring training going to happen? So here's where we are. Major League Baseball, the owners, this past week, were supposed to come to the MLBPA, which is the players, with a, with a new proposal. That was the plan. They were going to meet. They're going to give a new proposal. Well, instead of doing that, they said, you know what? We don't have a proposal for you. What we, what we want is to bring in a third-party mediator, somebody that's not us and it's not you, to help us bridge the gap. So that comes out one day, and uh, the following day, the players responded. The players responded, and they didn't love it. Um, so basically what happened here is this happened back in 1994-1995. It didn't work out. That's the last year that the season was cut short. There was a strike. It didn't go well. And the players' belief at the time, or now, is that, okay, you brought in a third-party mediator, and it actually didn't do us any good. And we, they thought they were on the owner's side of this. So the players released their own statement that said, two months after implementing their lockout, and just two days after committing to players that a counter-proposal would be made, the owners refused to make a counter. And instead, they requested mediation. After, consult after consultation with our executive board and taking into account a variety of factors, we have declined this request, 
the clearest path to a fair and timely agreement is to get back to the table. Players stand ready to negotiate. So <laughs> that's where we are. Uh, that's kind of the last we have heard. Um, I've heard this week, starting maybe today, the owners are supposed to meet on their own and figure out where to go from here. But we're not in a great place, but, you know, I've always said this. The more and more we start hearing in the public, the closer and closer we get. The uglier and uglier it gets, the closer and closer we get to a deal getting done. Things are getting close. Spring training's getting close. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report in just about a week. Position players just after that. But things aren't great. A mediator was requested. Players Union turned it down. A lot of the players took to social media. This is what's different in this day and age. There is social media, and the players are getting their voice heard. Max Scherzer being one of them, one of the head guys on the Players Union board. We don't need mediation because what we are offering to MLB is fair for both sides. We want a system where threshold and penalties don't function as caps, allows younger players to realize more of their market value, makes service time manipulation a thing of the past, and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. Max Scherzer taking to social media there. I do think it's funny how the first tweet he sends says, we don't need a mediator because what we want is fair for both sides. <laughs> that tweet just made me laugh. I mean, if it was, then, you know, Clearly, both sides don't think it's fair. Well, obviously, both sides think what they're offering is fair to the other side. That's why we're here. So that being the first tweet was kind of funny. But this is, this is, in a nutshell, what the players want. So before I move on, for those of you that are like, why are we locked out? What's going on? This, in a nutshell, is the main issues going on. I'll read it one more time. We want a system where threshold and penalties don't function as caps. Players will not accept a cap, a salary cap. That is not what they want. It allows younger players to realize more of their market value, allowing younger players to get paid more, get paid quicker. Makes service time manipulation a thing of the past. We've seen that a million times. One of the famous issues is with Chris Bryant. The Cubs didn't want to bring him up. We know he's going to be a stud, but they don't want to pay him and start his clock yet, so they wait. And then they bring him up at a certain time where they can have control of him for an entire other year. I get it on the owner's side why you would want to do that. It sucks on the player's side. Just bring the guy up. If he's good enough now, if he's good enough in 30 days, he's going to be good enough now. And then eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. We've seen this for far too long with teams like the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, teams that just aren't competing year in and year out and do not care to compete. <clears throat> That's a big issue here. That's what Max Scherzer is talking about. So well said on his part, and it kind of shines a little light on what is going on here. But hopefully we get back to baseball soon. The two sides are going to talk again this week, and we can start figuring this out and hopefully heading on our way to playing baseball, which is what we all want. But let's head on over to second base, and let's talk about Freddie Freeman in the lockout. Yes, I want to talk about Freddie Freeman. Because John Heyman took to Twitter to say, the Yankees are expected to take a run at Freddie Freeman, who they love. Though first base isn't their real need, 
they'd love to fit one of the game's best lefty hitters into their lineup. With the Braves not quickly wrapping up their star, all are options on the table for Freeman. Freddie Freeman is one of the best left-handed bats in the game. Would he be a great fit in the Yankees lineup? Absolutely. Do I think the Yankees might take a run at Freddie Freeman? Absolutely. Do I think Freddie Freeman is going to end up a Yankee? No. No, I don't. And, and the speculation was, well, he didn't, get, he didn't get it signed before, and everybody thought he would, so maybe he's ready to go elsewhere. Here's why he's not. Freddie Freeman's going to be an Atlanta Brave. I still believe that with everything I have. The reason that it would have taken this long, the reason you wait until after the lockout is because it's pretty well believed now that there's going to be a universal DH. And this new CBA agreement is going to be what puts that into effect. Freddie Freeman is getting older. He's an Atlanta Brave for life. They want him to be. They want to sign him to a long-term deal, I think. But to do that, you want to just make sure the universal DH is going to be a thing. It makes sense for both sides. The Atlanta Braves can sign him to a longer deal if towards the end of his career he can be a DH. Freddie Freeman can sign there for longer if he knows the DH is going to be a thing. I don't think he's going to play first base every single day until the day he retires. He's going to have to start DH in some at the end of his career. Why not wait until it's official? That's what I think is happening. That's why I think when the lockout ends, the Atlanta Braves are going to wrap him up for many years to come, and he's going to be an Atlanta Brave for the rest of his life, at least until he retires, which kind of makes it the rest of his life because then you're just an Atlanta Brave for life. That's how it goes. Chipper Jones is an Atlanta Brave for life. But this Heyman tweet came out the other day, and I found it interesting, and at least we got to talk about a player and a, a team during the lockout. But come on. Freddie Freeman's not going anywhere. That ain't happening. But you know who is going somewhere, and let's head on over to third base. Joe West. Country Joe. The umpire that has umpired more games than anyone in history is hanging up the spikes. <laughs> Hanging up the whatever umpires hang up. I don't think he's wearing spikes out there. Hanging up his hat with the MLB logo on it. Joe West is retiring after 45 years. 5,460 Major League Baseball games have been umpired by Joe West. Almost 5,500 games. And he threw in a country album in there to boot. He, he was almost this larger-than-life figure out on the baseball field. And say what you want about him as an umpire. I know a lot of people think he's a great umpire. A lot of people don't think he's a great umpire. He's kind of a polarizing figure out there, but a figure nonetheless. And he deserves to be appreciated and admired for what he did for a long, long time. 45 years. I just turned 30 the other day. He had been umpiring 15 years before I was even born. My brother, who has had a very long major league career to this point, he will hopefully, in my opinion, be a Hall of Famer one day. If his career ended tomorrow, which hopefully it doesn't, and thankfully it won't, I think he'd be a Hall of Famer already. My brother, who has played a long time in the major leagues, is about to turn 39 years old. Joe West was umpiring six years before my brother was even born. 
It is wild. He has umpired almost 5,500 games, six World Series, three All-Star games, and has just done so much for the game of baseball. And that has to be admired. He helped negotiate the largest umpiring contract in history as the president of the Umpires Association. And he's just a, a character out on the field. That's what he is. And, and sometimes that character would get in the way of games. Sometimes it wouldn't. But you could always count on that character to be there. This is one of my favorite videos. Roger Davis diving into home. <laughs> the pitcher having to help Joe West off of Roger Davis, who tripped him. And then it feels like Joe West just laid on Roger Davis for what felt like a minute. So we're showing this video. But for those of you that are just listening, Roger Davis dives into home, trips up Joe West, who falls on top of him. And, and it's like a slow motion video of him getting up, getting pulled off of him. And then after like a good 10 seconds of standing up, he just goes, you're out. <laughs> Country Joe was truly, truly one of a kind. And what he did for the game of baseball was special. And it has to be appreciated. You go back to that All-Star game a few years ago when Nelson Cruz decided to take a selfie at home plate with Joe West. Love him or hate him, he's a character. So happy retirement to Joe, Be to Joe West. Certainly a Hall of Famer. One of, the, one of the, certainly the most tenured umpire of all time, but a great umpire nonetheless. And, and happy retirement to a guy that certainly deserves it. But let's round third and head on home and talk about Shohei Otani. Last week, I mentioned that the MLB The Show cover came out, and guess who it was? You know what? It came out on my birthday, the, re the reveal of this, and it was Shohei Otani. But on the day the episode released, they released an MVP edition of the cover, and this is the coolest thing I think I have ever seen. It is incredible. It is an anime version of Shohei Otani. The artwork on it is absolutely incredible. The trailer that they released for this is absolutely incredible. What they did, I think, with, with merging, you know, it's, it's all of the worlds colliding. My baseball world, Shohei Otani, and then you get Shohei on the cover, who's from Japan, and then they implement anime into it and something he's really passionate about. And in the, in the MVP edition, it looks like they're using a bat as like a samurai sword. What they did with this trailer, one of the trailers, is just so cool. And I'm so excited for this game to come out. The cover, in my opinion, is the coolest cover of all time. I know last week I did a top five, like my top five covers in baseball, and I made the original one. MLB The Show 22, the normal edition, all I had seen, I made that number one. This is 1A. This is certainly the best video game cover I have ever seen. This is my tweet. I can't get over how amazing this cover with Shohei Otani on the MVP edition of MLB The Show 22 is. In all caps, of course. Because when I talk about Shohei, I do it in all caps. But you know what? I want to talk about Shohei some more. But I want to do it with the good people over at MLB The Show. Ramon Russell, who... When you think of MLB The Show, I think of him. He's a spokesperson. He's everywhere. He's everywhere for MLB The Show. 
and he knows a lot more about this than I do. So I'm really, really excited to bring him, him in. And before I do, I talked about it off the top of the show. This episode is really, really special for me. It is a colliding of all of my worlds, and it is so cool for PlayStation to trust us with, with this. Ramon's going to talk about some stuff that has never been revealed before. He's going to talk about a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So it's a really cool colliding in my world. Shohei Otani, MLB The Show, PlayStation, and Flippin' Bats. So let's get to it right now and welcome in Ramon Russell. Product development, communications, and brand strategist for MLB The Show. Ramon, I am so excited to have you, man. But first, before we get into anything, my producer told me that there is a video that he wants us to watch together that I have not seen. So let's watch this trailer together. I don't know what I'm about to see, but let's do it. There really is nobody like him. I think he's redefining what's kind of possible on a baseball field. There's always that baseball adage, right? Baseball is a game of failure. What if it's not? If Shohei Otani was pitching in the video game against Shohei Otani, the hitter, <laughs> who do you think would win that battle? Shohei Otani could be one of the greatest players of his generation. The guy's an incredible talent. This is a yeah. once-in-a-century thing that we're seeing. This guy's inhuman. I mean, really, he's incredible. The only comparable to him in the history of the sport is Ruth. It has been said, the man at the top of the mountain did not fall there. That's incredible. Well, MLB The Show 22 coming soon, April 5th, early access, April 1st. Ramon, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm doing lovely. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I'm excited for this year for a lot of reasons, but one, it's coming to a new console. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, for the first time ever, we will be on Nintendo Switch, so you can take your MLB The Show experience on the road. The Nintendo Switch. So PlayStation platforms, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, that is going to be sick. And, and you can play cross-platform, correct? Yeah, so we have cross-platform play, cross-progression, and cross-saves. You know, it was really important Ooh. to us to have this full ecosystem. So a lot of people own multiple consoles. So now, if you're at home and you own an Xbox and or a PlayStation and you're playing Road to the Show, you can save your progress, pick up your Switch, and then continue that progress on the road. That's incredible. Ramon, I don't know how much you know about flipping Bats, but a couple of things around here. I am a huge fan of MLB The Show. I stream it on Twitch, and we are huge fans of Shohei Otani. I have my own segment. I talk about him all the time. And this year seems to be a colliding of my world. Shohei Otani is going to be on the cover of MLB The Show 22. And I wanted to ask you about that. Um, how, how does that process come about? Because it seems like more and more it, it's becoming a huge deal. 
And over the last couple of years, it has been a really, really big deal. This year, it was revealed in, in Times Square. It's Shohei Otani. So what is this process like for you guys picking the cover athlete of the show? Right. So that, <clears throat> that process has stayed the same, you know, for quite a few years now. Um, and it goes back to this saying that our brand manager, Todd, has. Um, every time he's looking for a cover athlete, we're always trying to figure out, like, who has one of the most interesting and compelling stories that we can tell and kind of focus on for that year. And every year is different. Um, every year presents different challenges. Some years are easier than others. This year being one of those, uh, you know, it was a no brainer <laughs> this year to put Shohei Otani on the cover. That's awesome. So that that's why I was going to ask, why is Shohei on this year's cover? And it's because his story is so easy to tell. Yeah. Um, Around maybe a little bit before the All-Star break, I think our conversations about Shohei being on the cover became louder and louder. And then pretty much by the All-Star break, we were pretty locked in. Like, it <laughs> had to be him. Um, what what he did last year and what he may do again, like, we've never seen it before. Like, he's a legit threat on the plate, and he's a legit Mm-hmm. starting ace which we, we just haven't seen before and that's so difficult um to do and you know working with show one of the first things we learned was he takes his craft incredibly serious it is he does not mess around you know the the quote at the end of defining a legend about um the man on top of the mountain did not fall there we put that in there specifically for shohei um, he may seem like an overnight success to a lot of us over here in the States, uh, but this is a story that he's been writing since he was in high school in Japan. We're just now learning about it, uh, but make no mistake, this has been his goal and his dream, and he's worked very, very hard at it for like the last 10 or 15 years. That's so cool. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I I have to ask, what was the experience like getting to meet him, getting to shake his hand, getting to be around him? Because... I was at the All-Star game for 30 seconds, and even I got the feeling then that he is larger than life, it seems. And I, I wonder if that was your takeaway as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's incredibly nice, very, very humble. Um, he's a, a little shy, uh, but when he puts on a uniform, he's not, as we all see, because, you know, he, he, he took 46 uh, baseballs over the fence last year. <laughs> it was just fantastic. Um to work with him and he hasn't done you know a, a ton of commercial shoots and stuff yet like so it was it was really awesome for us like to to be that first big shoot for him and he just had a blast um he, he was so amazing to work with and he just wanted to go work out <laughs> like when it was all <laughs> over he was like where's the gym so i can go work out that's awesome so i, I wonder you said even before the all-star break it be kind it kind of became like who else would it be it's got to be him and i feel like everybody on social media and anybody in the MLB The Show community, we had a feeling, I mean, who else is it going to be? But a lot of people like to take to social media to ask you guys those things. And in years past and years where it's not so obvious, how often do you guys 
focus to what people are saying on social media and take into mind what the community wants and is looking for? Um, I mean, we try to listen, you know, to all valuable feedback and apply it um, where we can. You know, some things are easier than others. Other things we can apply. Um, so it all depends. You know, with Shohei this year and him being on the cover, he wasn't the only one who was, who was having an amazing year. Yeah. You know, there's this guy named Vlad Jr. in Toronto who is just a stud and put up insane numbers and what took the MVP away from Vlad was seeing something that we haven't seen in over a hundred mm-hmm. years was someone doing it on both sides of the plate. Yeah. Tough, tough year for him to almost go out and win a triple crown for sure. Cause even if he wanted it, he wasn't getting the MVP this year. Uh, so <laughs> I want to talk about this collector's edition that you guys did. The MVP edition of this game um, is, is incredible in my opinion. And, and last week I came out with my top five, uh, video game covers, baseball video game covers in history, and that was number one. MLB The Show was on there like three or four times, by the way. But uh, this <laughs> one, this one is number one in my opinion. All joking aside, I think this cover, especially the MVP edition, is the coolest cover that I have ever seen. And, and what what went into this? It is unique. It is extremely unique. What went into the thought process behind this year's MVP edition cover? Right. So. After we decided Shohei was going to be on the cover and we started brainstorming ideas um, for the collector's edition, um, like, again, you know, it it always goes back to, you know, telling a story. Um, And we learned and I knew for a while that um, Shohei has an affinity for manga. Um, And not only is he a really big fan of manga, it's actually influenced his playing career. Um, There was a manga that he read in high school that made him want to be a better baseball player, that made him really want to focus on being a two-way player. And we thought, you know, is there any way, you know, we can can tap in um, to that and his Japanese heritage and manga and anime in a way that's also very respectful? Um, So it's not something that we took lightly. Um, You know, we reached out to our, our manga and anime expert here at PlayStation, Brent Gutierrez, um, we made sure that we reached out to our employee research groups for Asian and Pacific Islanders to make sure that if we did this, we were going to do it the right way. Um, because we wanted to make sure we were very culturally sensitive when we decided to do this anime cover to avoid being culturally insensitive. Um, so it was something that we took, you know, too hard. Um, and then we found an amazing artist to work on the cover, Takashi Okazaki. Um, and turns out he's a big Shohei fan. So it was a match made in heaven. And how that process kind of worked was we created a very brief uh, vision document um, for Takashi. It was like, you know, we, we really love your art style. We want this cover to be gritty, but also inviting because we're an E for all game, you know. Um, we can't go too far on the gritty side, but we don't want it to look like a cartoon necessarily. Right. But the main focus with the cover was how do we tell the duality of Shohei being a two-way player? And then we just let him run. And we spent about, you know, four or five months working on the cover, had a lot of different iterations. And, you know, what we, what everybody saw last week um, is, is what we landed on. And Takashi just did a fantastic job of just capturing the duality of Shohei being a two-way player and making him look bigger than life, like a manga superhero or an anime superhero. And we were very excited how it all came out. Well, we have a video of, of Shohei seeing it for the first time. And I want to show that video right now. 
ちょっとここを持ってください。かっこいいですね。<笑>まあテーマはもちろん二刀流なので、うん、バッターとピッチャー両方できる。それはしっかり描描けてますか。そうですね。あとはなんか侍っぽくなってるんで<笑>日本っぽいなっていう。How cool is it for you guys to see that? I mean, even me hearing him say, "This is super cool."、Uh, for it was cool for me to see, and you guys have been working on this for so long. How awesome is that to see?、Uh, it was fantastic.、Um, we knew that his representation had already approved it, but he hadn't seen the final version.、Um, and when he saw it, he just lit up like a Christmas tree. He was like, "This is amazing!" Like,、uh, so. <laughs> It, it, it made all that hard work、um, that Takashi and everybody did、um, so worth it. So you said anime and manga helped him fall in love even more with the game of baseball. Yeah, when he was in high school,、um, there's a manga called Major that he read, and it follows the career、um, of a baseball player. And that manga, like, really. It just did something like something clicked in him, and it was just like an extra boost of nitrous oxide that made him even want to be a better baseball player. And so once we read that, it was like let's let's tap into that. Like how do we tap into that? And luckily, I think we did. How did you guys end up finding Takashi? I mean, it just seems like the perfect match made in heaven. You said he loves Shohei. I mean, at this point, who who doesn't love Shohei? Let's be honest. But how how did this come about? I mean, he's clearly incredibly talented and already loves Shohei. Clearly knows enough about baseball.、Um, how did this relationship come about? Well, Takashi、um, already has a relationship、um, with PlayStation, so it was just a match made in heaven.、Uh, when we reached out to him and broached the idea, he was like, "Yeah, I'll clear my schedule. I want to do this." And we were like, <laughs> "Okay, all right, I guess, I guess, I guess we're doing it." That's awesome. So, I mean, it, it really looks like, at least from my perspective, was this a, a big factor for you guys? It looks like when I look at the art behind it, it looks like it really, it really encompasses everything about Shohei's game. I mean, there's a bat that looks like it's in the spot of a samurai sword.、Um, I'm assuming that was certainly part of this for for all of you guys and and part of the thought process. But was that something you wanted for this cover to encompass almost his his full game? Absolutely, you know the duality of him being a pitcher and a hitter. Like that was the main thing that we wanted Takashi to capture. That's why he's on the cover with a bat and the ball, and they're both in flames. And that's really signifying he doesn't just do these things; he does them well. Like the Angels are always going to try to win every single game that they can, just like any other team is going to win every single game that they、mm-hmm. can. So he's on the mound. Everybody's confident that he's going to go out there and perform incredibly well. Same thing with him hitting, and we've just never seen anything like that, and never seen it done to a level that Shohei was able to do it to. So that's why we was like, we can't just have him on the cover,、mm-hmm. like looking like a normal human, because what he's doing in real life is superhuman. So let's make him look superhuman on the collector's edition cover. I mean, it's that's a great point. He's real. I really don't even know if he is human. I've had Ramon. A lot of MLB All Stars on this show, Hall of Famers on this show, and I make a point to ask all of them about Shohei Otani. And by and large, everybody basically says he's not human. He's like I've never seen anything like it, and I haven't ever seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like this cover, 
And I, I really, I really do believe it's perfect. Where, where does this cover? Be honest. Where does this cover rank for you amongst covers that you have worked on? Oh, this is number one. <laughs> it's number one. It, it's, it's number one. Yeah. Going back at the All Star break, uh, when these ideas started floating around to where we landed, uh, it, I don't think it could have came out better. So this is definitely, you know, my my favorite cover, and we're really happy that of the um, how positive people have received it yeah that's what i was going to ask you i mean it's it's very hard in this day and age to put something out there and it seems everybody loves it so you guys released that cover and and the reaction on social media was by and large blown away and i mean how cool is that for you the entire team to see the reaction that social media had when you released something that you're so proud of um, I, I think for us, it, it was more confirmation um, because we put the work in. Um, we didn't take it lightly because um, as soon as we said to ourselves, we're going to do a manga cover mm -hmm. um, and really tap into Shohei's Japanese heritage, we knew there were some very clear boxes we needed to check. We wanted to make sure that we didn't do anything that was culturally insensitive. So immediately, you know, we got on the phone with our Asian um, employee research group and shot everything all the way up to the top of the company to make sure that many individuals got their eyes on what we were thinking and the different revisions to make sure everything seems not only awesome, but also very appropriate because you can do something that looks amazing, but can turn out to be inappropriate. And that was something that we wanted to avoid. And, and we think we accomplished that goal. Definitely accomplished it. Um, but one thing that I thought last year you guys did that was really cool for the cover for the MVP edition, you had Jackie Robinson on it. And for every copy of that edition that was sold last year, you donated a dollar to the Jackie Robinson Foundation. I was blown away by that. This year, it's not Jackie Robinson. It's Shohei Otani on that cover. Is there anything you guys are going to do this year with that cover? Yes, there is. Um, so I'll step back a little bit. Um, when we announced that we were going to be donating $1 for every collector's edition sold of MLB The Show 21 to the Jackie Robinson Foundation, um, we didn't tell anybody what that was for. So now we can. Um, those donations uh, were used to create Jackie Robinson Foundation MLB The Show scholarships. So there will be a handful of high school uh, seniors who are graduating right now who have already applied for this scholarship. They'll be selected by the JRF in the coming months and they'll be starting college um, later on in the fall. Um, we created a brand new scholarship in tandem with the Jackie Robinson Foundation. This scholarship is all about tech and the video game industry. Um, what's really important to Sony Interactive Entertainment and our diversity, um, equity and inclusion group is we need way more minority talent in tech and we're no different. And so there are many different ways to attack that issue. And one of the ways to attack that issue is to try to grow and cultivate your own talent. And that's what this scholarship um, allows us to do. We're going to have a handful of students who are going to the, some of the best colleges in America and all of their mentorships. They will be here from PlayStation employees and on their junior and senior years, they'll be interning at the San Diego uh, studio learning how to make video games. And it runs the gamut. Like somebody might be majoring in game design. They may be looking at production, marketing, public relations. It doesn't matter. We just need and want more minority talent working at PlayStation. This is one of the ways uh, that we're hopefully going to be able to accomplish that goal. And I, that's incredible. 
That is that is really, really cool. So I, I just want to clarify, that is for every MVP and deluxe edition sold in the United States? Yes. So last year's program, that money has already funded these scholarships. It's funded the internships because these will be paid internships. And all oh, wow. of our Jackie Robinson scholars will have mentorships and their mentors will be various people working at the San Diego studio. Okay. That is, that's truly incredible. I really do feel like, um, I was actually talking to my producer about this before you came on. I feel like you guys do an incredible job with, um, one, advancing the game of baseball, like the actual game of Major League Baseball. I feel like everything you guys do with, with prospect cards and all the different cards you do really helps propel the game of baseball so that when you see those guys on the field, you're like, I know those guys. That's really cool. And I feel like you guys have year in and year out done such a good job with that. And hearing you say that, um, it really, it just really got me to thinking like this goes so far beyond a video game. And I hope the people at home understand this, that you're changing the game of baseball and now you're changing people's lives. And, and I really think that's pretty cool. And, and it's awesome to see you guys take this from a video game and, and make a difference in the real world and people's lives. And was that kind of your thought process behind doing all this? Um, well, I mean, it, I, it wasn't necessarily my thought process. You know, it was the entire yeah. um, diversity, uh, equity and inclusion leadership here at Sony Interactive Entertainment. And we just looked at, there are so many avenues um, to attack the problem of there not being enough minority talent um, in tech. And for us specifically in MLB The Show, um, Todd List, who's our brand manager, he had the ideas like, what if we donated a dollar for every collector's edition we sold? And it went to the Jackie Robinson Foundation. And then once we brought that to the leadership um, at PlayStation, Tiffany Hester said, let's go one further. Can we create a new scholarship that specifies on people of color and the video game industry and technology? And the Jackie Robinson Foundation was like, of course. So we spent the last year figuring out what that program is. And we're so happy for everybody who supported it because in the fall, you know, there are going to be a handful of brand new JRF scholars who are going to college to pursue a degree in tech and mo most importantly in the video game industry. And we're going to follow those individuals throughout their entire um, years in college. And they're going to be coming here at the studio doing their internships, their junior and senior years because we're trying to give them the all of the tools they possibly can because we want to hire them. Once right. they graduate, they're going to be some top-level talent, and we want them working, if not at the San Diego studio, maybe they go work at another PlayStation right. studio. Um, and you know, generating economic wealth and empowerment for communities of color is one of the things that the diversity and inclusion group is really looking at as it pertains to PlayStation and tech. What are the things and the programs that we can institute to do our part um, to generate long-lasting generational change. Yeah, that's just, that's awesome. Uh, one thing that I think you guys do is, and I've been, I've played sports games my whole life, and, and I've said this a lot, I truly believe MLB The Show is the best of the bunch with sports games. I feel like the attention to detail, and this is coming from somebody that played the game up until two years ago. I played it professionally, and even, it's very hard to play a video game when, when you've played that sport and think, wow, this is pretty realistic. And there's times where 
I'm playing and I'm like, man, this, this might be harder than it was in real life. It, you know, when you get up on Legend, it's pretty difficult. But I feel like year in and year out, you guys do things to change the game. You don't take a good product and just keep it going. Year in and year out, you make really important changes, I feel like, and, and it's awesome to see. And what I, what I want to know is this year, we're heading towards MLB The Show 22 with Shohei on the cover. What is something that we can look forward to in this year's game that we may not have gotten in the past? Uh, one, we're on Nintendo Switch, a uh, huge undertaking. And that's something that, you know, we did as a development team. You know, that's hard work that our programming team, our engineering team, our art team, that that's a project that they took on. You know, last year we went from just being on PlayStation 4 to shipping on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X slash S. And now we're introducing Nintendo Switch. And on top of that, you know, cross-platform integration with the your saves, cross-platform play, cross-platform progression, having that ecosystem that just works was one of our major priorities. Um, so that's what you're going to see from us as you see every single year. Uh, we can't work on every area. You know, we can't put in every single feature that people ask for, but it's never for a lack of effort. Um, and everybody here who works on the game, we love and bleed baseball. If you walk around the studio for the people that are here, everybody's got baseball on their TVs. Like we're always talking baseball. We're always trying to figure out how can we better replicate the sport while at the same time, make it more accessible and make it fun for everybody. That's awesome. How are you Without obviously saying too much, how are you going to feature Shohei in this year's game? I know, first off, this is kind of the first year where I feel like he deserved a card that was the best of the best on both sides, but it kind of seemed like it was a little bit of a process trying to figure out how to implement him in this game because he's a cheat code. He's a cheat code in real life, and he would be a cheat code in, in the video game. Are you going to be able this coming year to have him in your in your rotation and in your lineup as well? Finally, yes. Um, and that just goes back to just how transcendent of an athlete Shohei is. When you have somebody who comes along and you have to rewrite code <laughs> to get him to work in the game properly, and it's a multi-year process because the game has no idea. Like, what is a two-way player? You either pitch or you hit. You know, those, you don't cross those paths. You, you're either a hitter in the code or your pitcher in the code, you're not both. So we had to rewrite tons of lines of new code to, to get Shohei to actually be usable in the game. And finally in MLB The Show 22, you will be able to use him the exact same way the Angels use him. Oh, I am super excited for that. Ramon, how much, how much would you say of MLB The Show that you play? Oh, let's see, we work on this game all year. Um, I play the most between right now and maybe a month or two after launch. Um, right now, everybody's playing the game a lot because we're about to start announcing features. We want to make sure everything works right. And then once the game releases, you know, I want to play along with everybody else, seeing what people are liking, what they're disliking. And then shortly after, we have to start brainstorming ideas for the next game. But so we we got to get you on Twitch, man. We got we got to play against each other. I don't know when that matchup's going to first come, but. We we gotta we gotta have a head-to-head matchup at some point. All right, we'll definitely make that happen. <laughs> hey, before I, I wanted to ask you because it, it seems like I, I see 
your, your Twitter feed blowing up about things all the time. So my question is, how often, how many messages would you say you get if somebody's team even makes an error in the field? How many messages do you get in a week of people saying, Ramon, fix this, my player made an error? <laughs> it, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> at launch, it's pretty insane and intense. Um, and then around World Series, it's pretty insane and intense, but it <laughs> never really slows down. But the January through, I want to say the summer, uh, my inbox is, is just <laughs> full of messages. Oh, that's great. Hey, you said uh, you guys are getting ready to roll out some of the new features and all that stuff. When, when can we expect some of those announcements? Ooh, in the next week or so. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Well, hey, I just wanted to, one, thank you for coming on, but everybody at, at San Diego Studios, at Sony, at PlayStation, uh, thank you for, for making a difference in the game that, that I love the most and, and making a difference in it actually on the field and gives me something to play and for this year showcasing Shohei Otani in an incredible way. So thank you, one, for joining me, and thank you to your entire team for uh, doing something really, really cool. Thank you so much, Ben. I'll let everybody know. We really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Come back on anytime, man. Maybe we can get you back on around launch or at some point throughout the year. But thanks again for joining, man, and I'll see, I'll see you next time. All right. First off, I just want to thank Ramon Russell for joining me. How cool was that? I cannot wait for MLB The Show 22. But now, you know I love me some lists. Baseball America recently came out with their top farm systems in baseball. So I wanted to come out with my list of top five farm systems in baseball. It's just a little bit different than theirs, but let's start with the number five farm system in Major League Baseball, and it is the Detroit Tigers. Look, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, these guys are studs, and I cannot wait for them to come to the big leagues. They are close. They're so close. I think 2022 is the year that we get to see them in the big leagues, but these guys have just been tearing up the minor leagues. Absolutely tearing it up. I got to see them at the Futures game this past year in Denver, Colorado. I actually got to speak to them, and it was so cool talking to them, just hearing them talk about how successful they want the Detroit Tigers to be, and they want to do it together. They want to change the culture there, along with A.J. Hinch, friend of the pod. If you haven't listened to the A.J. Hinch episode, go do it. Brilliant, brilliant baseball mind. But we talk about these two guys, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, a lot. They are close to being in the big leagues. They could be big league all-stars someday. And that is why I have the Tigers at number five on my list. At number four, I have the Baltimore Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez, a stud pitcher coming up. Adley Rutschman, the number one prospect in baseball. Adley Rutschman is going to be a stud, a switch-hitting catcher. There's a lot to love about him. But look, this, this team, the Orioles, they haven't been winning for a while. And that's kind of a theme with these teams, aside from one that we'll get to that just seems to do it over and over and over again. But the theme here is that these teams haven't been making the playoffs for a while. So you might be thinking, why are we talking farm systems? Well, the reason is to get excited about something. And Orioles fans should be excited about Adley Rutschman. He is going to be a star in this game. He is close, and he is going to be a household name very, 
very soon. So that's why we're talking about these farm systems. Because one, there was just a Baseball America list that came out. But two, it is important. And it gives something, it gives teams and fans something to, to be ready and excited for. Baltimore Orioles at number four. At number three, the Pittsburgh Pirates. One name jumps out at me here. O'Neill Cruz. And speaking of MLB The Show, which is a big theme of this episode, O'Neill Cruz is a stud in MLB The Show. But he plays a premium position, shortstop, he's a middle infielder, left-handed hitter. The guy's going to be a stud. The Pittsburgh Pirates need it. They absolutely need it. Think about an infield with O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes on the left side. Look, I know we haven't seen a good Orioles team in a long time, but that gets me excited starting to think of that. O'Neill Cruz, Brian Hayes, tearing it up at PNC Park, one of the most beautiful venues in baseball. That place deserves to be rocking again. You guys remember that wild card game back a few years ago when the place was rocking, they were chanting Johnny Cueto, it was a blackout, the whole place looked black. It was sick. We could be back. The Pirates could be back soon. But they're number three. Let's move on to number two, my second best farm system in Major League Baseball, and it is the Tampa Bay Rays. How do they keep doing it? How? That's my question here. I don't know. You got, you got Wander Franco, who just graduated. He's already in the big leagues. He was one of the best prospects in baseball, and very deservedly so. So, look, Wander Franco is a great example for those that um, don't often look too deep into farm systems and wonder why are we talking about guys that aren't in the big leagues yet. Wander Franco would have been on, the, on their list last year. And then he ends up making it to the big leagues, and you see the immediate impact he has. These guys are able to have immediate impacts on the team. So Wander Franco's no longer here. They have Vidal Brujan. They have Shane Boz, who we got to see a quick sneak peek of. But it, it's remarkable what they do. It is remarkable how the Rays do it. And we saw it last week. We heard last week from, from Brett Phillips, a good friend of the show, who's an absolute stud of a human being, and he's on that team. We heard about how, how the Rays are doing it. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that episode. But they just do it year in and year out. Randy Rosarina comes up. He's a stud. He's a rookie of the year. He helps them get to the World Series. Wander Franco comes up. He ties the all-time record for a player under 20 years old getting on base. We got to saw, see a very sneak peek of Shane Boz, who is on this list for him, a reason that they are number two. We got to see a sneak peek of him. The dude throws 100. He's nasty. And Vidal Brujan's going to be really, really good as well. So the Rays are getting to enjoy the playoffs, being one of the best teams in baseball, and they're going to get to enjoy it for a long time to come, I think because they are still on this list. But let's move on to number one, and it is the Seattle Mariners. Now, I have to be honest here. My producer, Conrad, is a big Seattle Mariners fan, and he said, we cannot do an episode unless they are number one. You are kicked off. You will be kicked out of here if they aren't number one. So that's why they're number one here. Just kidding. But seriously, he is a Mariners fan, so he's, he's probably pretty happy about this. The Seattle Mariners are going to be really good really soon. And I've been saying it the first year of this show, season one. I was claiming Seattle Mariners, 
the 2025 World Series champs. Part of that is because I think their foundation is good. What they already have in the big leagues, we saw it this year. They overperformed this year. Having guys like Jared Kelnick come up already. Logan Gilbert. Those, those were guys on this list. But you look a little deeper. You have Julio Rodriguez, who is the number two prospect in baseball. I'm excited for this guy. I am really, really excited to watch Julio Rodriguez become a big leaguer and join the likes of the Gilberts and the Kelnicks and everybody else they have up in the big leagues now that, that has set the tone for this Seattle Mariners team to be really good for a long time to come. Now, I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know. With any of these teams, I don't know if this is going to be the year. It probably isn't. I'll tell you who's close. The Tigers are close. Skip over these. The Rays are going to be good. We know that. And the Mariners, the Mariners are close. It's high-end pitching. That's where it starts first and foremost. High-end pitching, young, studs, top prospects. They got it. And then it's position players. Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Lewis. Let's not forget about Kyle Lewis. He, he won Rookie of the Year and then gets hurt and has a down year. Kyle Lewis is a stud. This Seattle Mariners team is built for success and is going to be really good really soon. So Mariners fans, get excited. Please, get excited for what you guys have to come. What was that, Conrad? They're going to, yeah, yeah, I know. Con, Conrad's feeding me all this stuff. He's just really excited about the Mariners. Let, whatever. But seriously, these are my top five farm systems. Tigers, Orioles, Pirates, Rays, and Mariners. So you guys that haven't had a lot of winning years lately, get excited. That's why we're talking about farm systems. That's why I get excited about it. Because look, I'm tired of these teams not being very good. I played for the Detroit Tigers. I want to see them succeed. I want to see a bunch of the people in that organization I know succeed. I want to see all these teams be good. And they're close because these farm systems are great. I could see a few of these teams competing really, really soon. But that does it for my top five farm systems. Tigers, Orioles, Pirates, Rays, and Mariners. All right, and before I wrap up the show this week, a little extra inning segment, and I want to talk about something that I don't normally talk about on this show. NASCAR. Why? Because this week, earlier this week, I got to go to one of the coolest events that I've ever been to. is the Clash at the Coliseum. First of its kind NASCAR event put on by Fox. And I can't tell you how incredible of an event it was, how awesome Fox did at setting all of this up. It was awesome. I'm actually good friends with Kurt Busch, who's a driver, uh, him and, and the 45 team. I went there to support him, to support a friend, and it was just a really cool event. It was kind of like, like the theme of this episode, all of my worlds colliding. You know, I have a friend that's a NASCAR driver. I live out in L.A., and now there's a NASCAR event at the L.A. Coliseum, one of the most historic venues there is, and there's been a World Series played on that field. Just all my worlds colliding. And it was really cool to be able to go and support my friend Kurt, who did pretty well, ended up getting in a wreck, but that was the theme. It was such a small track 
It was literally a quarter of a mile. It was so small. It was like bumper cars. If you haven't experienced it, make sure you do next year, but just start watching NASCAR. It's pretty cool. But I actually got to know Kurt through uh, my brother years ago. Be became friends with Kurt and his wife, and then Kurt and I became friends. And Kurt and I went to the World Series together and have really become good friends over the years. So it was really cool to be able on this past Sunday to go support him. And it ended up just being an event that blew me away. From start to finish, I get there. I'm on the red carpet. Here's a video of me out on the red carpet with Sharon, uh, Shannon Spake. It was awesome. I felt like a celebrity. I'm not, but I felt like it. And it was really cool. What an awesome event put on by Fox. Congrats, congrats to NASCAR. Uh, good luck to my friend Kurt Busch moving forward. But really what I wanted to do, as I always do with this segment, is just highlight something that's cool or makes me happy. And that was really, really cool. So congrats to all involved in that. But again, thanks for, the, thanks for listening to this episode. This has been another episode of Flipping Bats, one of my personal favorites. All of my worlds collided. MLB The Show. Shohei Otani. Video games. Baseball. Are you kidding me? This was so awesome. So thank you to everybody that listened, everybody that enjoyed this. Make sure you like five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be. And follow along on social media. Every week we do something on social media. We like to ask you guys questions. You can follow along with the show at Flippin' Bats Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. This episode is available via video on this beautiful set on YouTube. Every episode comes out there. So make sure you like, subscribe there as well. Thank you all for listening. This has been awesome. And I will see you next time on Flippin' Bats. He swings and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate.